Let the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Jenna Barron, news editor at ST Times. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We're here with another episode about generative AI, but this time we're going to be talking about how it can be used in your non-development activities like managing projects and tasks and categorizing and prioritizing work. So with me today, I have Aaron Upright, co-founder of Zen Hub. Aaron, thanks for coming on to talk with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jenna. So I guess to start off, where are you seeing how developers are using AI for those non-development tasks? Yeah, there's actually not a lot of usage when it comes to generative AI for kind of those outer loop non-development tasks. I think you can look around and it's really easy to see all the applications where AI is being applied to software development and largely focused on a lot of the what we would call kind of inner loop activities. You know, we've seen tools like GitHub Copilot that are helping kind of act as an AI paired programmer for developers. We've also seen tools like Cody from Sourcegraph, which is another AI coding assistant to help write code and answer questions. The commonality that we're seeing right now when we kind of broadly look across the market on how generative AI is being applied to software development is that a lot of these different experiences are really focused on the inner loop of kind of building, writing, and authoring code, and they're very much single-player mode. Um, They're largely intended to be used by individual developers to help them write code faster, improve their code reviews, improve code quality, all those great things. But we know from a lot of the research that we've done and from talking to our customers that writing code And that inner loop work really only makes up about 25 to 40% of a developer's time. And the rest of that time is spent doing things like updating on the progress of work. It's spent in meetings, planning work, and things like that. And that's why we see such a big opportunity to apply generative AI to those outer loop activities that kind of exist around the process of building code and planning work and tracking work. Uh, In particular, you know, the, the manual efforts that really oftentimes come with those. So we see a huge opportunity for automation there. We actually haven't seen a lot of solutions in the market that have really been tackling those set of problems in relation to the software development workflow. Yeah, so if developers aren't really really taking advantage of it in those outer loop activities yet, like, can you talk a little bit about what the potential there is and where you'd like to see this kind of go in, the, in terms of those non-development tasks? Yeah. I mean, there's a a couple really big areas within track and plan that we're going to be tackling in our product that I think are huge opportunities where we can apply generative AI to help with some of those utter loop activities. So one of those pieces is in regards to data hygiene and accuracy. Uh, Earlier this month, actually in July, we rolled out AI suggested labels uh, in ZenHub. And so we actually automatically suggest uh, a label for an issue that gets created in ZenHub based on the description or title that a developer is actually writing. So by the time you're actually writing, done writing that title or done writing that description, we've automatically generated a set of labels that we think are applicable to uh, that issue that you might be crafting. That, I think, is a really prime example of where we're using generative AI to solve a real-world problem that teams have. Uh, because when work isn't categorized properly, you know, it has downstream impacts on the hygiene and accuracy of the reports that teams are looking at. You know, if you're looking at a velocity report or a burn down chart or even just a summary of the work that was done over a you know incremental time period, when that work isn't categorized properly, it can be really difficult to understand you know what was completed over the course of that time period, what was delivered during a sprint. Um, so that's that's one area where we see a lot of potential, um, just improving 
constantly the hygiene and accuracy of information flowing through the system. And today that's a very manual process of people having to go in and categorize work in the right way. If developers aren't doing that, oftentimes it's a PM or a project manager that's stepping in after the fact and trying to update those issues. So that's that's one prime example of where we see generative AI playing a big role in kind of some of those outer loop activities. Another really, really big area where we see potential in this track is in and around helping teams run better events uh, and better team kind of ceremonies or team meetings. Um, and when you look at, you know, where developers end up spending a lot of their time on non-coding activities, it's in those agile events like stand-ups, sprint planning, sprint review, or sprint retros that tend to necessarily eat up a lot of, a lot of time for developers. Uh, and they are oftentimes a, a necessary means to an end, um, but they are a huge time commitment and time con- investment as well. So uh, we see a, a huge example there, uh, our huge opportunity, I should say, uh, to uh, actually power some of those experiences using generative AI uh, in a pretty meaningful way where we can save teams time and help them better prepare for those meetings. Um, you know, for example, if we could do sentiment analysis on, you know, issues that the team is currently working on or that a developer is currently working on, you know, we could look for language within those issues that might signal a developer's blocked on something, you know, where they're actually using that terminology or they're saying, hey, uh, you know, within the body of an issue, we're not able to make progress on this because of X reason or some dependency on some team uh, and actually surface that during a stand-up view uh, or in a stand-up view so that, when a team comes together every morning for a stand-up, um, we're automatically kind of building that template for them of, you know, what was delivered yesterday, what's the team working on today, and then where are their blockers so that we can talk about them and socialize them in, in a group. So things like that is, is where we see, you know, examples of generative AI. Um, it's a really interesting opportunities to apply it to some of those outer loop ceremonies uh, around planning and tracking work. Are there any downsides that people should consider when they're thinking about shifting some of that outer loop work to AI? It's a good question. And I think our answer to that is not, we expect generative AI to completely take this over and run these meetings and facilitate them for you, or even make those meetings obsolete. I think there's still a very necessary means to an end to get alignment across the team on what's being delivered and what the team is working on. So I'll caveat that last, uh, you know, kind of expression and that excitement around that by saying uh, we see a lot of opportunity, but we still think that humans are going to be at the center of a lot of these events uh, where we just see the opportunity is to help them run in a more streamlined, efficient way. So, hey, we've all been there. It's a you know 15 minute standup that ends up going on for 45 minutes because the team isn't prepared to talk about blockers and things end up coming up very last minute or a developer brings up something it then triggers something in someone else's head to talk about something. Uh, we just, we want to make sure that for those events that are are very necessary for teams that we're helping run them in the most efficient way possible. Um, You know, another, another big part of this as well is, you know, if we can get teams to a more efficient place and, you know, helping help them adopt better practices, we think that actually will have, you know, big downstream effects in terms of productivity and efficiency as a whole, just based on the amount of time the teams are spending within these sessions and events and meetings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's kind of this sentiment, Um, When people talk about the time savings for using generative AI in coding, um, people often refer to like, oh, we spend like X amount of time or X percent of time, like just looking up things on Google and 
like stuff like that. And then there's also always the joke um, of like, oh, that hour long meeting could have been an email. So um, yes, <laughs> like I, I could see how this could save a lot of time in like some of that admin planning stuff. What do you think developers will be doing with um, any of that time they've saved that they're not like having to prioritize their work or like manage their projects? Well, my hope is that that time actually goes back into writing code and doing things that, you know, developers are uniquely suited to do. Uh, if we can save developers, you know, two to four hours a week uh, from time that they would have otherwise spent in meetings, uh, we hope that that time gets kind of given back and, and put back into actually writing code and doing those uh, uh, the kind of interloop activities that are actually um, helping push forward the project. So that's really where we see the opportunity. Uh, it's not that this is just creating kind of this vacancy in terms of time um, that some other meeting or something else will fill, is that more of that time actually goes back to the work that matters, which is kind of writing, authoring, and code, and then moving you know these projects forward on that basis. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So as we wrap up our conversation here, what is a key takeaway on this that you'd want to make sure our listeners leave with? Yeah, I think there's some key takeaways, I think, for people that are building in this space that I would encourage them to consider. And I think there's some key takeaways for people that are looking at tools in this space that I, I think, you know, should be considered as well. I think for people that are building in this space, um, you know, one of the things that I would encourage is, um, you know, I think slow is fast when it comes to AI. And I think there's this huge rush to ship new features and new experiences and deliver new products and solutions to market. Uh, you know, that have generative AI in them. Uh, but I think we're going to end up in a situation, and I think we partially already are, where we're introducing some of these experiences and people are going, okay, like, so what? How does this help me? How does it help solve a real problem that I have? And for us, you know, I, I don't want our company to be known as another company that's just bloating their product with AI. And so our approach and philosophy to this has really been, let's move slower and let's build with our users as opposed to building in the background and then just shipping these features or shipping these different solutions in a really rapid iteration. Um, you know, I think that every company that's integrating generative AI into their product really owes it to their users to be doing customer-driven development and to be showcasing these experiences to users and saying, hey, does this actually help solve a problem you have or does it uh, help you, you know, improve your workflow? Um, you know, for us, we fully expect we're going to be throwing some of the things that we're working on out just because it, you know, we want to set a very high bar for what we add to our product and make sure that it actually is quantifiably adding value at the end of the day and that we're not just, you know, shipping with AI for the sake of, you know, uh, jumping on a, a really hyped trend. Um, so that's important to us. And I think anyone building in this space should, should take that same approach. When it comes to, um, you know, bringing in these, these kind of generative AI tools to the team, you know, my suggestion for, you know, managers would be, and we talked a little bit about this is, look, we need to maintain realistic expectations when it comes to human output and how much these tools can actually augment that. I think a lot of these solutions and tools have tremendous potential to drive productivity and efficiency. But I think it's a really dangerous narrative if we expect that giving a developer a license of Copilot is going to increase their output by 2 to 3x and not create any more work for them in terms of code review or code quality issues. And so... Um, I always encourage people and encourage teams when they're adopting these solutions to, um, you know, give us feedback and, and make sure that it's creating value, but don't set unrealistic expectations for your team where implementing these solutions is suddenly going to, 
you know, put you in a position where you can eliminate your team or expect, you know, a, like I said, a two to three X return in terms of output. Um, I just don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, we're getting there and there's a lot of opportunity, uh, tremendous opportunity in this space. Um, but I think, uh, you know, realistic expectations go a long way when, when onboarding some of these solutions. Yeah. Thanks so much for chatting with me today and sharing your perspective on this. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode. Thanks so much, Janet.